Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of Gas is on the Right podcast with Daniel and Allen. This week, we discuss Atlanta, all things Atlanta, cold Atlanta, um, Atlanta race review. So let's uh, let's dive right in. So really caution-heavy race races to start the weekend with the truck and Xfinity race. Um, that Xfinity race was extremely long just for that first stage. I mean, it was ridiculously wrong. Long. Yeah, I have no idea what caused those cautions to be so long. Yeah, I know. So the first one wasn't too bad. That that very first caution, I think it was like a two-car wreck. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think they were under caution for like seven laps for that. Yeah, I, I don't know why that one was so terribly long. I know the second one, I think the 26 car uh, may have busted a radiator or something because they had to put that uh, mm-hmm. quick dry on the track. Yep. So down, I think it was in turn three is where that wreck uh, transpired. It was a three-car wreck, and the 26 car had went all the way up to the wall, and everything that he had leaked all the way back down the track when he came back down the track and into the uh, grass right there. So It's always how it works. Nobody ever blows up on the apron to where it's not a big mess. It's always at the top of the racetrack to where it leaks down to the bottom. Yeah, so very top of the racetrack. And then from what I understand – um Josh Williams, the 92 car, a very popular figure in social media this week because of his um mm-hmm. his middle finger to NASCAR, per se, in a sense. It was the deuces. <laughs> yeah, the deuces. But parking on the front stretch, he was... So they were coming out of one of those long caution periods. It was like a 20-minute caution. It was forever like a road course caution. It was horrible. And mm-hmm. he was coming out of the pits. He unfortunately got caught up in a wreck. It wasn't his fault. And they were putting bear bond on the car. Well, the bear bond in this kind of weather, you got to heat it up to make it stick to the car. And it was probably in the mid forties. Uh, I don't think it broke 50 on Saturday down there. Um, and it was overcast. So they were trying to heat it up with a torch, put the bear bond on. It flew off when he came off pit road, they went green for one lap and then threw a caution again. And they black flagged the 92 of Josh Williams. Um, and, that was a that was pretty a pretty good spectacle right there. Parking his he parked his car at the start finish line and left it for NASCAR. Yeah, that was a uh, that was interesting. I was curious to see how they were going to find him because I remember when we were at Talladega last fall, yeah. one of Haley Deegan's crew members ran across pit road to catch a tire that rolled out and got back out over the wall and got his hard card pulled immediately and uh is no longer a crew member on the team anymore so i didn't know if they were gonna be like you're done because you you walked across pit road because that's what they did to the to Haley diggins tire changer so yeah that's where i was curious to see how they were going to find him yeah, and I th- I think where that may be a little bit different is I don't think they were under caution when he went over the wall and went out on the uh out into the infield right there into mm-hmm. the grass. I don't think that the truck race was under caution. Um it did go to caution because of that. But when he got It out, had to have it had to have been under caution because the trucks never pit under that's true. under green. Yeah. So um but it is interesting which we'll get we'll get to the uh, penalties and everything that NASCAR submitted from this weekend. Um, 
particularly that event itself, as well as mm-hmm. the stuff we talked about last week with Denny Hamlin and Hendrick and colleague here a little bit later. But it definitely was a spectacle, and it definitely where he probably would have got some airtime and his sponsor some airtime. I think that it got a lot more attention because, I mean, you park your car, start finish line, get out, and see you by. Which, I, that was a quick-to-the-trigger pull on NASCAR to black flag them. I mean, they're frustrated. Mm-hmm. You're looking at your your entire stage one is basically cautions. Joey Logano and I think uh, I think it's um, Adam Alexander m- mentioned it on the broadcast that they had the bar that tracked caution laps versus green flag laps at the top for stage one, two, and three. And that mm-hmm. whole entire first bar was just yellow. The whole bar was just yeah, yellow. Yeah, it, it was ridiculous. Yeah. So that was, um, I think that he, it was an unfortunate circumstance for the 92 team that he ended up getting black flagged. It was, I think NASCAR was quick to jump the trigger on doing that. And it was one of those things of they were mad because they're already going to be way over their airtime in their slot. Um, mm-hmm. And their TV time's going up. They can't run too much longer. And you know what? If you're going to have pieces falling off your car, you're going to be out of the race. Even if it's a piece of Bear Bond, they, they don't care what it is. Um, to explain Bear Bond, like I said, um, it's basically just repair tape, in a sense, to yeah. try to keep the car together after a wreck. Um, it was not like he lost a fender or lost a bumper. And, I mean, a comparable accident that I can think of in recent history is when NASCAR let the 2021 Roval race run green while Chase Elliott's bumper was flailing off the back of the car and never threw a black flag for him. Um, How dare you compare Josh Williams and Chase Elliott? I know know that that is NASCAR's baby. (laughs) Yes, that is very true. But I mean, we have to look at the facts of it is, you know, I mean, he ran what, like five or six laps with the bumper flailing and then it fell off on the back stretch right before the chicane. And mm-hmm. they did not black flag. Where typically they black flag somebody. Yes. And I know that that's, again, it's up to NASCAR's discretion. It's always up to their discretion. This that gray area that's in the rule book continuously that we see that is unfortunate um, that it just becomes NASCAR's opinion versus public opinion. Uh, and the court of public opinion, I think, was how Brett Griffin put it earlier on a Door Bumper Clears podcast. Um, and. You have Chase Elliott below the cut line trying to make a run back to the front after being wrecked by Harvick to get a chance to go to the round of eight. And then you have Josh Williams at Atlanta with basically 30 caution laps already under your belt, 40 caution laps, however many it was. And you go green for one lap, and there's a piece of bear bond at the end of pit row. Um, So... I mean, do I get their frustration? Do I get NASCAR's frustration? Yes. Do I think that it was very um, just – I don't think it was fair to Josh Williams to black flag his car and make him part for the race. And I think Josh Williams sent a pretty clear message that he felt the same way. Yeah. Well, I think everybody's just kind of mad because nobody – everybody likes likes a good underdog story and nobody really wants to see – something like that happened to the, to the underdog yeah. and, you know, and I think a lot of, that's a lot of his popularity that he's got from that is people like it when the underdog sticks it to the man. And 
Josh Williams stuck it to the yeah, man. He, he sure did stuck it. Come tow my car. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You told me to park it. I parked it. <laughs> parked it right mm-hmm. there. So um, moving on through that race, we had another lovely run in of uh, Junior Motorsports teammates again. Uh, the A series of unfortunate events could, for Dale Jr.'s wallet. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think it was Allgaier got into Barry or Barry got into Allgaier. The seven and eight got together. Uh, somewhere in I think it was two. they got into each other. Yeah. It was just they were both going for the middle, and uh, Josh the eight, Josh Berry and the eight prevailed. <laughs> <laughs> and Allgaier did not, which I know in some of Allgaier's post-race comments, he called this race an embarrassment for NASCAR. Um, well, I, I always take what drivers say after a race when they finish really poorly with a grain of salt because I don't think he would have said the same thing had he won that race. Oh, 100 percent. Um, yeah, he would. He would know. He would not have sang that tune at all. Um, mm-hmm. But speaking of winners, Austin Hill, uh, Xfinity Series, with his third win of the year, five races in, he's won both plate races and Las Vegas. Um, yep, he's on track to win 18 races right now. Every other race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it seems like, and that is a uh, that puts him. I, I really got him as a championship favorite for the Xfinity Series this year. Um, well, I, it's, I, it's, I mean, who's going to compete with them? I mean, I think you got John Hunter Nemechek will be, I think the final four, my way too early final four is Austin Hill, John Hunter Nemechek, Josh Berry, and Justin Allgaier. I'm close with you on that, but I'm going to sub out Justin Allgaier. And I, I really don't know who I want to put in that fourth spot. But I, I, I definitely see Austin uh, Austin Hill, John Hernemachek, and Josh Berry making it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be somebody that we don't expect in that fourth spot. So we don't have the issue of Ty Gibbs raking out another teammate that he could have used in Phoenix, which, I mean, he didn't need the help, but letting three <laughs> no, he had a rocket ship. get into um get into the Final Four while you wreck your teammate for a win at Martinsville that you didn't really need. I mean, mm-hmm. I understand wanting to win every race, but at the same time, it'd probably been nice to have a teammate on your back versus two J, uh, JRM cars on your tail at Phoenix. Yep. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't think, I don't see Justin Allgaier making it to the, to the uh, championship for this year. I don't really have my pick yet, but I, I may throw Cole Custer in that mix. I know he's not off to a hot start, but I mean, he still is a very good race car driver. He did not, he just did not have a good showing in the Cup Series, and that's why he's back down in the Xfinity Series. But if I, he is an Xfinity Series champion. Yeah, I just, I think Custer's lost his luster. You know, Custer's I, lost his luster. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think he'll help Riley Herbst be a better driver, and that could be the fourth person maybe Riley Herbst might have his breakthrough this year who knows because he's been finishing strong every week but who knows yeah it's still early and Sammy Smith is a young driver that could surprise us you know we don't really have that much of a resume on him to know if he could make it to the final four but who knows you know like I said that that's my way too early final four yeah you know I, I see Sammy Smith having a lot of potential too. I mean, with how mm-hmm. how much maturity he raced with at Phoenix, 
and who he was racing with. Because, I mean, at a, at a point there, he was battling Kyle Busch for the lead mm-hmm. for a while. And very clean racing, very calculated racing. And, I mean, you you maybe you had a better car, maybe you didn't, but you edge out a champion, a two-time champion in the Cup Series and a two 100-plus race winner in the Xfinity Series um, for the lead and eventually the win. And it runs green as well. I mean, that's fittingly in the 18 car. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, uh, I, I see a lot of, um, I see Sammy Smith being somebody to watch this year as somebody to break through. I mean, obviously he's basically locked into the playoffs now, uh, the Xfinity series. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would, that's definitely somebody I'm going to be keeping my eye on every Saturday because I, Chandler Smith is another one. Yeah. Chandler Smith in that college car, the number 16. Uh, he could be mm-hmm. he could be somebody. He just got to figure out how to put a complete race together. Yeah, and I mean, granted, he hasn't had a good. He didn't have a good season last year, but Daniel Hemrick, I mean, he is a champion as well. So he he is a champion that's only won one race ever, <laughs> you know. But it shows consistency. So consistently not winning races, but consistently up front at some point in time. So, um, well, let's segue into Sunday's race. Really, from the weekend, from uh, the truck and Xfinity race, Sunday's race was a very nice refresher when it came to actually being able to watch some racing. Um, Mm -hmm. Not a whole lot of cautions. I mean, you had a single car wreck in stage one, which was Bubba spinning off of two, and then ran green for a while. And we actually got to see which you and I talked about this last week about seeing, are we going to see any green flag stops at Atlanta and what is that going to do? And if we're going to see anybody try to pull the uh, long run card and we actually got to see that. And I was very excited when I saw that coming, when we started seeing those guys pit, uh, they lost two laps. Like, like we discussed last week, every, you went down two laps if you pitted on green flag and Christopher bell by himself tried the long run and tried what he ran five, eight laps in the lead with everybody two laps down. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that would have been a crazy, that would have been like racing on NASCAR heat. If a caution would have came out and tracked everybody one lap down. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause he can just ride. He can just ride. He ain't got to worry about holding the lead. He can just ride, you know? Yeah. And I he's mean, like, well, you got to make a whole lap around this track to even catch me. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that that gives you a very comfortable cushion. I think it was a very good play. Now, he did mm-hmm. lose five stop, five spots during that time. So before G- Green Flag stop started, he was running seventh place. After he finally cycled through to finish the cycle, he was in 13th, which is not a terrible net loss. I mean, the only issue was, luckily for him, he had a rocket ship. I mean, we saw that with the push yeah. he gave Logano at the end of the race. I mean, goodness gracious, he knocked the stew out of him. Going out of two, um, so he was yeah, able to drive got, his way back. And that second stage after the green flag stops, it was, it was pretty spread out. But I was surprised to see, because there was, I think it was like, just like ten or twelve cars in that first pack, but that mm-hmm. second pack was able to catch them only because Ryan Blaney got a speeding penalty, and Joey Logano didn't want to put him another lap down, and was just checking that whole pack up, keeping everybody behind him but slowing them down enough to where they weren't going to pass those cars. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's a really good teammate move to see. Mm -hmm. Um, because what, 
what ended up happening coming to the end of the stage, they caught that pack, and that was the pack that Ryan was in. But Ryan never went another lap down because they still finished ahead of him. Now, granted, Logano didn't win the stage. He came second in the stage, so he didn't get a max point day like he could have if he had just ran. Mm-hmm. But um, it definitely shows some team playing right there, helping your teammate out. And it shows that which the is team good aspect, for Ryan Blaney because he's been getting the short end of the stick on team orders for Penske. Yes. So, I mean, we look back to the Daytona 500 last year. We look back to Phoenix last year. Um, I think we discussed one race this past week, another one from this year. But he's uh, he hasn't got the good out of it. But going down on that speeding penalty on green flag stops and being able to come back, finishing seventh but running third to fourth through that last stage for the most – for half of it, the last half of the stage, stage three. Mm-hmm. Um, After phenomenal. being two laps down. Yeah. yeah. I'll be in, I think it was four down. Well, once Bell pitted, he was back just to two. Back to two, yeah. And then at the end of the stage, he got the lucky dog. And then in one of the... I think the, it was the Eric Amarola. Um, no, the Harvick. The Harvick, Harvick wreck, he got back on a lead lap. Yeah, and then was able to drive his way back up to third, right back behind Logano where they started. And you had Penske on the bottom side, one, two, three in line. Um Correct. I think Penske could have ran stronger, and I think it could have been a Penske race if Austin Sendrick could have kept up. But that he mm-hmm. was not managing that gap off Blaney well at all, which then well, was I think breaking that kind of got marred back in traffic. You know, they said it multiple times in the broadcast: the further you are back in that pack, the looser you are, and the harder it is to drive your car. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and his car handled good when it was the three Penske cars pushed ahead of the whole pack. You know. Yeah, it, it, I mean, his car handled really good. Um, Ford's in general, strong. I mean, Which is not something we were expecting after the first couple races because they did not really look that great. Yeah, and I feel like we may have expected a little more considering how they ran at Daytona and this being... Or how they, yeah, yeah, for sure. Basically a uh, restrictor, I mean, I think it is a restrictor plate race now. Um, they don't run plates anymore. So, but... In that sense, I mean, it still runs like a super speedway, and they were very mm-hmm. strong at Daytona. I, in the next couple of weeks, I expect them to be very strong when it comes to Talladega, coming up at the end of next month. So, but it's good to it's refreshing to see Ford come out strong like that. I don't think we'll see it next week with it being a road course. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you got Michael McDowell in the thirty four who ran good last year. You got some you got some guys that we'll talk about later in the show that are uh, coming to run one offs from the F1 series that are going to be in Fords. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, overall, uh, to the wrecks, I know Amarola blew a tire uh, from the lead and caused a big wreck, took out a lot of contenders, took out, of course, Kyle Larson again. Uh, cannot catch a break at a super speedway, it seems. Well, Kyle Larson, three weeks in a row, has been the unfortunate victim of Eric Amarola and tires. <laughs> yeah. So that seems a, to be a recurring thing for him. <laughs> yes. So that's um that's something did not finish uh destroyed his car, took a very hard hit um to the door. And uh luckily he was good after the race. Everything was fine. He checked out the info care center all good. Um Yeah, which is what I'm also curious about is, you know, we saw some pretty significant impacts and wrecks during that race and I haven't really heard anything from the drivers on how they felt after those compared to how they felt last year in those incidents. 
Yeah, there has not been a whole lot of talk about like soreness or any of that, like we heard about last year. These guys, um, it seems like it, the tweaks that they made to the body and everything, making it a little get have a little more give, a little more crumple zone, has seemed to help with the impact um, from mm-hmm. everything Which that we're is seeing good. and hearing. It's, that ended Kurt Busch's career. Exactly. So that's definitely good to see. Um, another wreck, another probably the big wreck of the day was when Harvick was in the lead. Chastain had a run on him coming into two. Harvick's car was just loose. And everybody jumped on Chastain immediately after this. They, oh, he sends another one. There goes another another wreck. Here comes Chastain to take him out. And Yeah, I was about to hit my you've been Chastain button. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then when they showed the replay, there was a, I mean, even on NASCAR Race Hub, they talked about kind of having to take it back a little bit because he never touched him until Harvick was yeah. already basically sideways and there was not much more checking up that Chastain could do. Yeah, because Harvick was loose before Chastain got that run and Chastain just pushed that air behind him and got Harvick arrow loose and spun him, which is something that I might be wrong, but I don't think I've seen that with this new car because they're just so glued to the ground. I don't think I've seen someone get arrow loose like that the- and spin out. I mean, you saw that a lot more with the the car before this at the super speedways that you could get air loose, but I have not seen that with this new car with how much grip they have in the tires. Yeah. Which was really interesting to me. Yeah. That was interesting to watch, which I mean, like you said, you watch Harvick is loose in two, like the car is kind of trying to run up the track on him. He's trying to keep it down. And then as soon as Chastain disrupts that air on the back of the car, I mean, it just see you bye. And Mm -hmm. uh, the only other place I can think of where I saw that is Las Vegas last year uh, in the fall the fall race coming off of four and I couldn't tell you who it was, but basically the car slid up um, out of four behind another car and it disrupted that air off that lead car and sent the lead car around. Um, I don't remember who was in that incident, um, but I do remember that incident in particular, but that's the only other time that I can think of that. It was that same, the arrow loose, no contact, no nothing car just goes, which is uh, it shows you how on edge these cars are and how unstable they are and how much more driving these drivers are having to do. Right. Which is a product of Atlanta and how Atlanta's always raced is kind of a loose, loose track, you know? Yeah. So, but moving on, uh, Logano wins Atlanta. Logano wins Sunday. First one of the season. Great comeback for him after a horrible West Coast swing. Um, Really, really bad West Coast swing for him. So 149 laps led. That's got to be a good uh, ego boost for this team. Um, Definitely gives you some comfort going into the following weeks. So, Yeah, Logano is back in the swing of next-gen Joe. Yes. So we'll we'll see how that comes in the coming weeks, but that puts him in the standings. Uh, He is now the leader in the uh, regular season standings by one point over Christopher Bell, and he is the uh, leader in the playoff standings right now. So, Well, and technically, William Byron is the leader in the playoff standing because don't they do it? The playoff standings by how many races you've won, it stacks up from there and then goes down, and yes, then it gets yes. to points. Yeah, so actually, William Byron, sorry about – sorry. Um, but regular season, though, he is uh, currently your leader in regular season points. 
So that's got to be, again, a big boost for him. Um, so hopefully hopefully more to come for Joey Logano. Um, obviously your 2022 champion, two-time champion now. Uh, I think that was his 33rd win uh, at the Cup Series level. So yep. pretty pretty good pace so far. Ten years or so in the Cup Series, 33 wins. So three in, three wins a year. Not uh, not too bad. Yeah, it's average. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, let's uh, let's discuss what happened last week. That um, we were waiting on the penalties to come out. They unfortunately didn't come out till Wednesday, and we haven't really discussed too much on them. But Hendrick and colleague were assessed an L two penalties for their louvers, which is a uh, hundred driver and owner points, ten playoff points, and a hundred thousand dollar fines, and a four. Four race suspension for your crew chief. That was all four Hendrick cars and then the 31 of Justin Haley. So there's been a lot of news running around um, running around this and running around what's going on. Uh, a lot of he said, she said, a lot of pointing fingers that I'm seeing. NASCAR is saying that the parts were modified, which they took all eight. So two per car, there's two in each hood. Uh, a louver is actually what directs the airflow from the radiator over the top of the car. So any modification to it can affect the downforce on the car. Mm-hmm. So, and NASCAR clearly states that you cannot modify a single source part. And the cars are basically prefab cars, um, single sourced out. Everybody has the same parts. Everybody has the same specs. So it kind of comes down more to driver and setup um, than actual having money pay to play per se. Like we used to see with like the Gen 6, it was more of a pay-to-play game, but now it's a more level playing field, which we're seeing that come out even more this year. But they took all eight from the Hendrick cars, and then they only took one from Justin Haley. And Jack Nouse, um, competition director for Hendrick Motorsports, uh, said that they have decided to appeal the penalty, but in a statement he made this week, uh, they talked about they had documentation that NASCAR said it was okay for them to make a modification. And they basically admitted to modifying them to fit because in his quote, he says, Hendrick Motorsports, ma- Hendrick Motorsports made sure that our parts fit the hood and the hood closed and did all the stuff it needed to do. Um, without saying yes, he said yes. And Yeah, well, it sounds like, I, I believe I saw that he said that they talked to NASCAR about it and NASCAR said, do what you had to do to make it fit. Yeah. And that's, that's very, if you say that to, a, if that's their exact words, that is very broad to a Chad Knauss who is a genius when it comes to those things. He's like, do what I have to do to make it fit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, he is a, uh, he's an absolute if their If their words were that, that vague, that's open-ended and that's their fault. Yeah. I mean that, that's again, that leaves the gray area that NASCAR leaves open. So, mm-hmm. Oh, we'll do what we have to do to make it fit. Well, I mean, we have to trim the edges and maybe thicken up the bottom side. So, and now it fits, you know, Hey, you, NASCAR, you told us that we could do what we needed to do. Um, but I know that, so Justin Haley and the 31 team of colleague racing, are, as well as Hendrick, they are appealing their penalty. They're appealing this penalty. Hendrick is hit with a historic $400,000 fine, basically, 
between. I would appeal that too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the highest fine prior to that, I think, was 300000 This one, is, which I think that was to Daryl Waltrip Racing. Um, Michael Waltrip. Or Michael Waltrip Racing. But yeah. this is the uh, highest fine ever handed down by NASCAR. And $400,000 fine. They deferred to keep their crew chiefs in the boxes. Uh, Hendrick did. So they actually have some interim crew chiefs. Uh, the colleague, however, um, decided to keep their crew chief in the box until the appeal is over. One thing that kind of rubs me wrong is that NASCAR handed down this penalty and then there's no appeal date set. There's still no appeal date set. So that doesn't make any sense because that's one of those things that kind of needs to be taken care of pretty quickly. Yeah. Like, if you give me this fine this week and I let you know immediately, okay, I'm going to appeal this. And it's like, all right, we'll, we'll go to the appeals court next week, you know? Yeah. And that's something that I was looking at. Um, I was actually looking for it today to see if there was an appeal date anywhere. And everything that I that's what, saw. Where are they, where are they racing next week? Richmond? Uh, well, this week they're at Coda. Next week, I think they're at Richmond. So maybe they're waiting till they're everybody's back on the East Coast and not in Texas at Coda, to where it logistically makes sense. Because a lot of I'm sure a lot of NASCAR people are going earlier in the week than the actual teams are down to Coda to make sure everything's right. You know, yeah. that's the only thing that I can think is maybe they're waiting till the week of Richmond to where it's uh, just a quick up to Virginia real quick to from North Carolina to where. NASCAR is to take care of that, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, which, I mean, not everybody has this luxury, but Denny Hamlin mentioned on this podcast, I mean, it's a 30 minute flight back to Concord from Atlanta because mm -hmm. the airport's at the track. So going up to Charlotte, doing all this, coming back wouldn't have been hard at Atlanta, but I, I don't know. I don't know their process on all this. I don't know how much in detail. I don't know. The appeals court is made up of motorsports panel from people in the motorsports industry. I don't know exactly where, how, who's on the board, on the board. Um, but it is not NASCAR versus the teams. It's NASCAR as a plaintiff, the teams as a defendant, and then the motorsports court as the court. And mm -hmm. they present each other's cases, and then the motorsports council decides if you win the appeal or if you lose the appeal. Um, but I still think, because, I mean, that is a hefty hit. You're talking four races, Hendrick, they kind of have a little bit of a hand up because they have a lot of guys in the ranks. I mean, to replace yeah, the crew depth. chiefs, they had Greg Eyes back on the, on the 48 picks box for Alex Bowman, uh, Kevin Mendering for Kyle Larson, Tom Gray for Josh Berry, um, and then Brian Camp for uh, William Byron, which uh, Ives was Bowman's former crew chief. Mendering is a competition development manager. Uh, Camp is a technical director, and Gray is an engineer. Mm -hmm. So they all have experience around the cars with the cars. Um, Greg Ives probably top out of all of them, being that uh, former crew chief from the past for a while. Well, that's the easy. That's the easiest transition of a crew chief to where that's not that big of a change for Alex Bowman having him back on the box. You know. Yeah, but then you look at College Racing, who does not have as much depth. And you're talking about taking away Justin Haley's crew chief for four weeks because you took one hood louver, which to me, again, shows inconsistency. 
So, and that also yep. says like, if you took one out of two on the car and I mean, they have four, they have two cars. So four total, you only take one of four. That shows that why, if you're going to do it, why not do it? Like if yeah. Hendrick's doing something, they're doing it. They took all eight, but colleague, that tells me that they probably weren't doing anything. Other than well, they made a more the minimum. They made a more minimal effort to change it because they don't have the. I'm sure they have resources, but they don't have Hendrick Motorsports resources. Yes. To to do those things, but my big issue is if NASCAR is going to say, "All right, these are single source parts, and you have to get it from this person," mm-hmm. and that person's not making it to fit your car, why? Why is that not their fault? Why are you pinning this on the teams when they're having to make adjustments to where their hood closes? Like, what do you want them to do? Have bear bond holding their hood down because their hood won't close all the way? And then if it falls off, are you going to flag them and park it? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. And I mean, that's that's something that's definitely, which I get it. So you have a single source manufacturer. That's one guy, one company making all these parts for all these teams. I mean, Chevy's, you have, what, six or eight teams, probably 20, 25, 30 cars. Well, probably like 20 cars. I think it's more about the number that they'd be around, 20 to 25 cars. So that is a lot of parts for those cars. But at the same time, if your single-source supplier can't provide that, you may need to look into some more options to help mitigate that, um, that influx of workload that they're having to take on. And... That may help the consistency go up is being able to have more than one single source supplier per part. Cause I mean, you're asking these well, guys. Well, maybe not even like more than that. Like say, all right, this is the people that make the hood louvers for the Fords. This is the one that makes it for the Toyotas. And this is the one that makes it for the Chevrolets that way. Cause all their, cause you know, they let them, everybody adjust their hoods in the front clips in the off season. So that way, all right, you're in charge of making these for the Chevrolets. You know how these have to be made to fit. You know how these have to be made to fit the Toyotas. Yeah. And you know how to make how, how these need to be fit for the Fords. Yeah. I think that would eliminate the issue. Yeah. And I mean, that's something, um, again, I can't speak completely on their process, but that would be something that would better fit it because the front clips, like you said, the front clips were changed this off season. They're all slightly different in one's, some way, shape, or form, which that was already the case with the next-gen car because they're supposed mm-hmm. to resemble the street car more um, with your Camaro, your Mustang, and your uh, your Camry. So that may be something that needs to be looked into is what modifications were made, where was the front clip adjusted to maybe these hood louvers don't fit as well because obviously we never saw this at all last year, which I think with it being Hendrick Motorsports as well, being the one that had eight taken from them, all four cars penalized. This is a very big story. So it's making a lot of a lot of waves through the media and that's what's causing so much buzz around it. But that also makes us again look back into what is I mean, they're noting inconsistencies. We saw an inconsistency from NASCAR technically with just taking one of Justin Haley's. So Where's our middle ground of what are we going to do? How are we going to do? You know? So, 
But hood louvers have been a topic for about a week and a half now. So let's uh, let's move on to another topic that's been here for a week and a half. Uh, Hamlin, Denny Hamlin, was fined. Was it fifty thousand dollars and twenty five uh, points? I believe so. Yeah, I, or it might have been twenty five thousand twenty five points. Yeah, I can't. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head. But he was penalized for wrecking Chastain and admitting to it Monday on his podcast that he wrecked Chastain. He was originally not going to appeal, but from what he said, what NASCAR's email, or per his podcast today, or yesterday, NASCAR sent out an email to him that worded off what he did wrong, why he's getting this penalty, why he's being assessed as fine. And... He said that he does not agree with it. He does not think that he did all those things that they are listing and that he is now appealing his penalty um, to NASCAR. So that's going to be interesting to watch. I still think that Ross Chastain has bested Denny Hamlin yet again. So, I mean, you look at Pocono, it was a calculated, um, masterful retaliation, and then they get fined for having tape behind the wrap on the bumpers. Him and Kyle Busch giving Jace Elliott that win at Pocono last year. Um, so that didn't work out for him. And then now you see him trying to take Chastain with him, which again, um, it ended up being about a 40-point penalty technically for Hamlin because on top of the 25-point penalty, he was running 7th and finished like 25th or somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, I mean, it came out to like you lost an overall of 40 points. So from a team perspective – was it worth it, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, his attempt to take out Chastain just kind of reminded me of a NASCAR Heat 5 online race. Just a disaster, you know? Yes, 100% a disaster. Um, like we said last last week, it was one of those things of, like, I see an opportunity here, I'm sliding back through the field. This guy has wrecked me multiple times, multiple occasions, and gotten away with it. He's coming with me. Um, so... Again, like I said last week, I still stand by what I said of I don't think NASCAR penalizing him is the right thing. I can see why they did it. I see why they did it, but I don't think it's necessarily the right thing because sports thrive off of rivalries. Um, people thrive off of drama. And mm-hmm. taking that, taking the power out of the driver's hands to self-police like they they said they would let them do last year um, definitely shows where some guys are going to be more reserved. They're going to sit back a second and be like, well, should I do this? Should I retaliate? Should I spin this guy? Um, and it's going to take away those rivalries that we'd see, which, again, I don't want to see guys wrecking each other under caution. I don't want to see guys wrecking each other every week because you're running beside them and you have a beef. But I want to see these well, guys wreck each other And hard. it's dangerous. Yes. And it's because ask Kurt Busch, you know? Yeah. I mean – I asked Kyle Larson at Las Vegas last year. He got sent backwards into the wall at 194 miles an hour by Bubba Wallace. So it's it's one of those things of, like, it's very dangerous to retaliate. But so with that type of situation, yes, it, a penalty is necessary. But I think with this situation, I think he already penalized himself enough because I could only imagine what the team meeting was like after you admitted to basically destroying your race car and taking out another driver and 
losing all the points. Because, I mean, he would have probably still finished around 15th. He would have lost the positions anyways. He didn't have the tires. He didn't have the fire off speed. But instead of finishing top 15, you finished out of the top 20. Well, hell, he was six. I don't think he would have dropped that many spots, you know? Yeah, I mean, you were on the you were going out of turn two or going into turn two. I mean, there wasn't that much track left. It's only uh, it's only a mile track. There yeah, you had, you had one more set of corners, man. Yeah. You, you weren't going to lose that much. Yeah, I mean, just make your car three lanes wide, you, you know? So, again, uh, we'll see how that goes. I don't think he wins that appeal. Um, I don't either. Uh, he's I don't gonna, see that one getting overturned. No, which luckily for him, he, he mentioned it. He won, uh, he won big in Vegas, so money's not a issue for him. Mm-hmm. So it's just those points may come back to bite him. Um, as we saw last year with like Martin Truex and Ryan Blaney getting into the playoffs, Blaney got in and Truex noted, like, if I could have finished better in a couple races earlier in the year, I mean, drove the car better, been a little better, not done some stupid stuff. I'd have been in the playoffs and granted, do I think when Denny Hamlin wins a race in the regular season? Yeah. But more than likely, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, we're five races into the year, but every position still matters. Because you don't want to be looking back when we leave Daytona in August and wondering, well, if I wouldn't have take out Chastain at Phoenix, then I would be in the playoffs. But instead I did, and now I missed it, missed a cut line by five points. So that's a, there's always stuff to take into account, which, again, in the heat of the moment, you can't really say yes or no. You just see red. Um, so... I hate you to also see, see where the interviewers were asking Chastain because you know Denny Hamlin said something about trying to see if Ross Chastain would be the first guest on a podcast, and they're like, "Would would you be interested in going on Denny's podcast?" And Ross was like, "No." Yes, I did and in that, that in that in that interview as well, you could Ross has really been relatively quiet about the subject, but you could see that he was not. He's not a fan of Denny Hamlin himself. Yeah. So I don't see this problem with the two of them going away anytime soon. I know there's this quote unquote truce. I'm going to race you from this point forward and yada, yada, yada. But it's all talk. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how that rolls. No, no telling what they're going to do in the future. I mean, Chastain doesn't give an inch, no matter who it is. He doesn't care who you are. He's not going to give you an inch of space. If he thinks he's got the spot, he's taking the spot. So, and I don't see him changing his attitude on that, any, which I, I hope he doesn't. I mean, that's great racing, great TV. Um, no, I don't want Ross Chastain to change the way he drives because he made Denny Hamlin mad. Yeah, and I don't see that happening either. So, um, But we'll see how this week goes forward, how as the weeks and months go forward through the season, uh, what happens there. So will Ross Chastain continue to wreck people throughout the field and make more enemies? Tune in next week. We'll find out at Coda. I mean, last year yeah. he sent AJ Allmendinger and Alex Bowman out on the last lap. <laughs> so, um, yep. And um, you know, drivers have really good memories. So I wouldn't be surprised to see AJ Allmendinger enact his revenge. Yeah, I would I would not see be surprised to see the uh, one car spin off the nose of the 16 this weekend. <laughs> so, a year of calculated uh retaliation. Um but one other He's penalty been waiting. Yeah. One other penalty from this weekend which we talked about Josh Williams earlier. 
Josh Williams did end up receiving a one-race suspension. No fine, just a one-race suspension uh, for parking his car on the front stretch. So, unfortunately, I don't know if they're going to have a fill-in driver, if they're just not going to come to Coda with a 92 car. It's Alex, Alex LeBay is Alex driving LeBay? the 92 car for Cody, for okay. Coda. So, I do know that Josh Williams has reached out to Alex, 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 or Adam Alexander about doing the broadcast. So, that would be interesting. <laughs> yes, um, it would. But, yeah, he was suspended for one race. He'll be back uh, at Richmond um, in two weeks. So... We'll see. We'll see what goes on from there. The restart zone is going back to the 2022 spec, uh, starting at Coda. So they took a five race period. They extended the restart zone this year for um, start of green flag runs and restarts, and it basically allows the control car, the lead car, to fire off whenever they are ready. And we've seen a lot this year that the control car waits till the end of the restart zone to fire off. We saw it at Las Vegas that caused that big pileup, taking out a lot of cars in the middle of the pack. Um, and we saw it, I mean, we saw it this weekend too, um, that later fire off uh, time that kind of everybody's trying to jump it. Everybody's trying to jump the restart. And if you jump the restart, you're po- probably going to run in the back of somebody. So, some news I saw today Elliot Sawyer went on Sirius XM NASCAR radio and discussed that they are reverting back to the 2022 spec. When you hit the restart zone, you fire off. So that'll be yeah. Here's this week. So here's my thing with that. What they added twenty five percent to each end, right? Yeah. So I'm cool with them going back to their normal zone, but I still think that where they the end of the restart zone should be at the end of the top part of that twenty five percent that they moved to where it's still a little bit further down the straightaway because that does give the leader the advantage. Because the further down the straightaway the restart zone moves, the less speed everybody's going to have going in the corner. Yeah. So. But I'm I'm sure they just went. I'm sure they're going back to just taking 25 percent off each side and and just letting it be be what it is, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what I could see. That I think that's exactly what they're going to do too, is just go back to exactly the spec it was at last year, and that's just what it's going to be. Um, I was excited for it when I heard about it in the off season this year. Um, but, and like I said, I mean, it makes for a very strategic fire off for the control car, which is very interesting to watch. Cause I mean, you see guys get runs, you see guys get, uh, you see that leader fire off at the last second. You see this field bottle up and you see him and probably the top four cars kind of get a little bit of a gap and at an intermediate track, that's a big thing. Super Speedway, not so much. Um, road course, I don't think it's going to be too much of a difference, um, which we won't even get to see this year because they're turning it back at Coda, and Coda's the first road course of the season. Mm-hmm. So um, just kind of a note there that they are going back to the 2022 spec. Um, Austin Hill was talking in his interview that premiered on NASCAR Xfinity Race Day that he wants to go cup racing next year. Well, I mean, look at the results that he has this year so far. Every every other race, he's proved this year that he's not just going to win on super speedway tracks. He wanted an intermediate at yeah. Las Vegas. He was really strong in all the road courses last year. So I look for him to whatever races that A.J. Allmendinger is not racing in the Xfinity Series at a road course. I look for him to be a contender. And even in the ones that 
Almondinger is racing in, I look for him to be a contender towards the end of those. Yeah. And the road course races, he showed he's a strong road course racer, a strong plate racer. He's putting together finishes at intermediate tracks now. I just, Richard Childress better figure out a way to get a charter for him and not lose him. Because if he can find a decent, a decent, I would hope that he would, if he's not going to get in a, in a middle tier, the higher middle tier to upper tier ride, that he would stay at RCR and wait one more year just to see what comes available. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with but, that. But he's uh, the he's got to Richard's got to figure something out quick to where he doesn't lose him next year. Yeah, because that's that's one of the guys that would be on the top of my list to bump up to the Cup Series. Yeah, I I I want him racing for me in the Cup Series for sure. So he's got he's shown that he's got the skill. He's shown that he can he can win more than just a super speedway race. Um, I mean, he's had a strong showing at all the tracks this year at Auto Club, um, at Las Vegas with a win, at Phoenix he ran strong. So everything this year that's been thrown at him, he's ran phenomenally. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't finished outside the top ten. Yeah, exactly. In five races, which once again it's really early, and he could be nowhere to be found at the end of the season. But the way it's going right now, I see him on track to maybe win eight or nine races this year. Yeah, and I mean keeping that keeping that momentum strong, keeping going strong, I I can see that too. I mean even if he has a slow streak, you got Talladega in a month. So that will definitely be something that's if they start getting a little down, that's going to be circled on the calendar. I have no idea how he did not get spun out by Daniel Hemrick spinning Parker Kligerman out on his right rear quarter panel. I have no idea how he kept that car straight. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, Daniel Hemrick got to the that quarter panel of Parker and said, uh, you're going around, buddy. <laughs> I'm taking second place, and you're going to finish where you finish. Which was fourth backwards. Impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Across the line backwards. Smoke pouring out. So, yeah, that uh, that shows car control, too. That shows he's comfortable, confident in the seat, um, which, I mean, we've seen week in and week out so far this year with Austin Hill. I he is He's a hometown boy to us. Um, actually, we went to the same high school. So it's just it's really cool to see a guy from your town uh, really doing it good, making it big, and winning races. And succeeding. Succeeding. That's what – and then another guy, Mason Massey, in the truck series. Yeah. Which he's in his first full, full-time full season this year, so hopefully he can get the best results he can racing for room racing. Yeah. So if you wonder who we're, who we're going for in the Xfinity and truck series, there's your two. So got mm-hmm. to stay with the hometown boys and actual hometown boys. <laughs> So, um, Atlanta, let's, let's, let's close out Atlanta real quick. Um, track is a year old now, uh, what year, two years old on this new repave. And a lot of people are wondering how this track is going to continue to race because it's going to wear obviously. So what is going to happen as this track wears? What is the race going to turn into? Are we going to see a interesting mix of super speedway and old Atlanta slip and slide? I think as long as they keep bringing the super speedway package to Atlanta, it's going to continue to be like that. But yeah. there's two races there and you're on a mile and a half racetrack. 
that puts on it's not the most great for tv mile and a half race but it is a for a true true hardcore racing fan puts on a great race so yeah here's what i would love to see at atlanta which i know is not going to happen because it makes too much sense and why would nascar do something that makes too much sense (laughs) i would like to see them do the first race there when it's colder and the bring the mile and a half package there and let them do that mile and a half race yeah and then in the summertime when they come back in july when the stands will be more packed because that's it was too cold to go i was like because you know we had talked about maybe going but it was just way too cold i was like i'm gonna sit in my climate controlled home and watch this on my tv exactly yeah that was uh that it's was just, what I was looking it's at just for way too cold to go it's just way too cold to go to that race in march and i think you saw that in the stands yeah that there wasn't a great turnout there but it was just it was just entirely too cold to be there um yeah so i would like to see them bring in that part bring the mile and a half package because everybody's going to be watching on tv not there at the race i would bring that mile and a half package in march and then when you come back in july then do your super speedway package because that's an interesting thing is that's a racetrack that you can put on two completely different races and that would keep it interesting there to have two completely different races there on the same track. Yeah. And it's not like you're having you're coming there twice the a year. Right. It's the same configuration. All you got to do is just bring a different package. I think that would be awesome because I, I think with this repave and the change in the banking that it would put on a great intermediate race because these next gen cars race phenomenally on the mile and a half tracks with that package. Yeah. Like, why would you not, like, try it once, you know? And if you're like, ah, I sit in it, go back to the super speedway. But that's a good thing. You race there twice. Try it once, you know? Yeah, give it give it, give it, it one shot. And I think bringing an uh, intermediate package or even a modified intermediate package, um, something that would run well with the track. I mean, yeah, your banking is higher. You're up four degrees from what it was. It was 24 to 28. But the track's going to wear still. The track's in the same region. The track didn't move. It just got repaved and rebanked, and I do think that that would be a good option. And you don't have to change configurations; just bring a different setup, bring a different car, and run it, and put on two completely different shows. Put on a slip and slide like old Atlanta, and then put on a super speedway. And the summer race would be perfect for a super speedway race because you have the grip, you have the heat. the The cars are going to be locked down and controllable. The spring race in March, it is a hit or miss on what the temperature is going to be. It could be 85 degrees and sunny. It could be 40 degrees and freezing cold. It could be 60 degrees and pouring rain. I mean, welcome yep, to Georgia That's the weather. one thing about, yeah, Georgia weather, you experience all four seasons in one week. Like yeah. Monday, it was 30 degrees, and Friday, it's going to be 80 degrees. Exactly. So you never know what you're going to get in the March March weather and Georgia you know for a fact it's going to be 95 plus with 175,000% humidity in the summer. Um so that uh that's that that would be a good thing to try. I could I would like to see something like that happen. I don't know the logistics side of it. I don't know if it's possible to pull off with the banking, but I don't see why it wouldn't be. And it's like yep. you said, you can put on two completely different shows, two completely different races without having to fully modify a configuration. Um, the comparison that I pull up is Charlotte. You race the Charlotte Oval 
in the summer. You race the Roval in the fall. So I think that would be something worth NASCAR's time to try. Yeah, we have a lot of really good ideas. They should hire us. Yeah, they really <laughs> should. So anybody listening have any contacts, you know, just uh, send them our links, our social medias. They're all linked down below. Um, so, yeah, go give us a follow and tell them to follow us, too. Um, moving on, North Wilkesboro Speedway coming up. All-star race. You Super excited for that. Testing going on uh, today and yesterday. You had cup cars on track today. I think you had trucks on track yesterday. Um, that's just that's just really cool. They didn't repave the track. The track is the same asphalt that they raced on. I think the last time they raced there was 1995. Um, Dale Jr. really took initiative with his Lost Speedway um, show. Uh, that's on Peacock. If you haven't watched it, I would recommend it. It's a great watch. Um, but they took initiative to bring, revive this track, revive North Wilkesboro, bring racing back to it. They've been running a lot of... Uh, Late models there. Um, it's been some really cool racing to watch from what I've watched. Um, and just really cool to see. You know, looking back at some NASCAR heritage, it's a very old track that dates back a long time. Um, so seeing NASCAR come back is going to be really cool. I'm really excited, especially with it being a, an exhibition race. Um, it's going to be a really good weekend. Um, I'm excited to watch it. Unfortunately, we're, we <laughs> I did not make the ticket pool to grab bag a ticket for the weekend um hopefully next year no that would have been a that would have been a race i would have loved to go to yeah i know dell jr's put it out in the air that he will race in the truck series as long as they don't take cautions at the stage breaks so nascar you've heard him and that's your most popular driver and if you want to put butts and seats for the truck race you need to make that happen yeah yeah 100 percent. so that uh that, because, that's something that, and and your viewership on TV. Oh, that's going to be the biggest part. I mean, I don't think it's going to be an issue because to buy a ticket for the North Wilkesboro race, you had to buy the weekend pass. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to just go to the cup race, you had to buy, basically bought a package deal for all three races, which is really cool. I think I it's think, really good. And I think that truck race will be watched a lot more than a truck race would normally be. But if you want cup level viewership for, for that race, NASCAR, do your thing. Oh, yeah. Another thing to where they just need to hire us to where we can make it happen. Yeah. Again, social media is linked <laughs> down below. DM us. <laughs> but um, one thing I'm really excited about North, North Wilkesboro mm -hmm. is that Kevin Harvick is going to be racing in the 29 car with his 2001 paint scheme. Bush Light's putting the 2001 logo on there. I think it, I know it's a Bush Light deal, but I think it would have been really, really cool if they could have got good wrench on that car. Just for that one-off. Yeah. So, which brings me to the question, what's he going to run for his throwback scheme at Darlington? I... Is he going to do a, a Pennzoil style? Like, because Joey Logano threw it back, I think last year, Joey Logano did a throwback to Kevin Harvick's Pennzoil style. So, what's he going to run there? That's the big question now. Like, what are you going to do there, buddy? Like, I'm assuming. It's your, it's your last one. I, I would I would almost bet that he's gonna run like his twenty fourteen championship. Um because if he's running the twenty nine at Wilkesboro, which I mean again that's a one off exhibition race. Um it's the all star race, but it's still not a points paying race. That's that's his big last time in the twenty four. It's it's gonna be a spectacle, it's gonna be a show. That's the perfect place to run it, that's the perfect place to wear that paint scheme. 
uh, throwing it back with the red and white bush light, throwing it back for him, even though they couldn't get good wrench on the car, still throwing it back. The car, the renderings look phenomenal. If you haven't seen them, you can see them on uh, Kevin Harvick's page, uh, Stuart Haas Racing, NASCAR's posted them. Uh, we have them posted on our Instagram as well. So I would definitely take a look at it. It's a gorgeous car. Looks great. But I think that he's going to run the 2014 four-car championship car. I wonder since it's Anheuser-Busch and if they would put Budweiser on the car for that. Um, possibly. But I, I don't know exactly. I mean, with it being a throwback race, there's a lot of flexibility for most of these sponsors, which obviously Bush has shown how flexible they will be. They've shown it in the past before. Um, they're one of those sponsors, kind of like Pennzoil Shell, that will really get into the spirit of a throwback. Um, mm-hmm. I hate to I hate to say it, but you look at like Napa, for example, they don't do that much. Now, granted, I can't no. knock Napa too much because when you go to Darlington in September, they do the uh, the childhood cancer awareness car where they mm-hmm. let the kid do the car uh one of the uh patients draw up the car do a competition they pick the car and they wrap it which i think is a really cool thing that they do but i mean throwback wise you have some guys that really throw it back you have some guys some sponsors that are like no we want our stuff as it is mm-hmm. so but i know that bush has obviously shown with this 29 deal that they are willing to throw it back they're willing to kind of work and i think with it being harvick's last season that they could really do something cool um, together. Again, my my assumption is a 2014 championship car, but I can't I can't say yay or nay if that's going to be what it is. It hasn't been released yet. Um, I know that race is coming up in May, so we'll see. Yeah, that makes the most sense. That's why we pay you the big bucks on this podcast, Alan. Oh yeah, yeah, they <laughs> pay the big bucks. <laughs> so well, let's uh let's look at uh Coda coming up next week. Um, coming up this Sunday, uh, first off, um, we got some big names racing. The broadcast booth is going to be interesting for Sunday's cup series race. You're going to have Kurt Busch in the booth as well as Haas F1 team principal, uh, Gunther, uh, Steiner, Steiner, sorry. Uh, we'll join the booth. We're probably saying that wrong. (laughs) I probably just butchered that. Um, but he's the, uh, basically the, uh, uh, Stuart Haas or Haas F1 um, team manager, team captain. I don't team principal is what his title is. I don't know how that compares, but um, very big name, very important guy. I would uh, I would say, but we have some big names running in Coda. We mentioned last week, two big ones coming from F1 is going to be Kimi Raikkonen, uh, who's be running the ninety one. Uh, car with track house racing and then you have um jensen button who will be running the number 15 rick ware ford mustang with support from stuart Haas racing and mobile yeah One i imagine he'll sponsor. be uh, i'll imagine he'll be driving that car smooth as a button <laughs> <laughs> so somebody get the drum kit out for daniel over here yeah, but, I got my book. Of, I got my book of dad jokes out today. Oh, I, I like it. I like it. So, but yeah, running with Mobile One on that car. Um, the paint scheme looks pretty good uh, from what I've seen. I think that those are going to be, again, I mean, uh, Kimmy ran up into the top 10 
last year at Watkins Glen when he was running in the uh, Project 91 car. So I would assume for him to do the same thing at Coda. Uh, same with uh, Jensen Button. I assume that he will run that car well, being their background. Um, not just an F1. They're both F1 champions as well. Um, don't want to overlook that, but also they have um, some sports car racing. And Jensen's running with the Garage 56 entry for Le Mans with Hendrick. So he's had time in technically a next-gen car on road courses. So Yes, a very, a very souped up. <laughs> yeah. So very uh, modified next-gen car, but still a next-gen car. So it's going to be interesting to watch those guys race with the Cup Series. Um, we'll see how it fares. Um, picks for Coda. Before we do picks for Coda, um, our picks from Atlanta. Um, Daniel, big winner this past weekend with his pick of Corey LaJoy. Uh, fourth place finish. Blaney, I was very worried after stage two green flag stops. Well, I was really <laughs> worried about Corey LaJoy when he qualified 31st because I know how hard it's been to pass at super speedways. I was like, I was like, how is he going to get this track position? But he made it work. So, yeah, I mean, he, he made it work and he, he really helped. He, he got left out to dry because I think if Brad makes that block on Logano and turn well, two, Logano and Brad would have ended up in the wall, stalled that top lane. And he was on and, the bottom point, man. Yep. And he, I, Cause that's what I was like. No, go high, go high, go high, go high. <laughs> I was like, put him in the wall, put him in the wall. <laughs> so it'd be a replay for Corey LaJoy of a last summer's Atlanta race, except instead of him being off yeah. the bumper of somebody, it would be. Yeah, uh, say, well, 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 how the turns have tabled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was, um, I was really hoping that even if he didn't put him in the wall, stall that top line. And uh, I think that Corey may have had a chance to get out front there. I don't know if he had anything for the Fords going into three and four, um, especially with that big push that uh, Bell gave Logano. Um, I don't know if he had well, anything that, that for that push him. really originated from uh, LaJoy because Logano was in front of LaJoy on the bottom side, and uh, LaJoy gave Logano a heck of a shove, and he carried that momentum up to the top. And what, they, what TJ Majors was saying is prior to that, Logano had shot up to the top and then dipped back down to the bottom and passed him back on the bottom. And he thinks that's why Brad kind of went back to the bottom thinking that he was Logano gonna was going to pull that down. same same move twice. He's like, yeah, fool yeah. me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, not going to happen, but fooled him twice. Did fool so, him twice, which is surprising for Keselowski on a speedway race, which also Keselowski said in his pre-race interview that he wants to be running second come to the white flag. And he was leading. So he was not in the position that he wanted to be. So, and it showed. Which first really isn't a bad position. Yeah, but at first, I don't know if I'd want to be leading where, the final lap. Elliot the... Was, that's where Elliot was in the summer race, was in first. And he just made that core wide as could be. Yeah. And didn't let anybody get around him. Well, so I mean, he lucked out, too, that he didn't go with him. Mm-hmm. So, which I think that would have been a different story Sunday. I think if you put that that summer race last year on Sunday's weather conditions, they both are in the wall. <laughs> so, but yeah. So, what's your uh, what's your prediction on how the race will actually? Not we'll get into the picks in a minute, 
but how do you predict this race is going to turn out since they've changed to where there's no caution flags at the stage break we're racing through because the caution laps take too long i think that it is going to change up from being a strategic race of okay we need to plan for a pit stop at stage break to we need to plan our pit stops and i think it's going to be more guys planning for a race win per se than a race than a stage finish uh the strategies Mm -hmm. we're not going to see a bunch of guys on the same strategy like we normally do you see a bunch of guys that are strategizing to win the stage yeah typically you see three or four guys strategizing to win the race yeah typically the way the stages have been the way that since there's caution in the stages there's the people that are racing for stage wins and there's people that are racing for race wins yeah but now the stage wins will still be important for the smaller teams, but like Justin Haley is still negative points. My strategy, if I was him, is going to be race win. I don't care anything about stage points for the rest of the year unless this gets overturned. I'm strictly on a race winning strategy. Yeah, and I you and have to win the way the way the college cars have been running. That is only going to happen is if he does exactly the opposite of what everybody else is doing. They've got to get super creative for the rest of the year at every race. If they're on the lead lap with a late race caution and everybody is dipping down on a pit road, you're going to take your chances, buddy. Yeah. Try and hold them off the best you can. You may have older tires, but you're going to try to run them. So, because you, Mm -hmm. you got to do everything you can to try to get that win. Um, but yeah, I see a lot of guys on different strategies. I see teams probably on the same strategy, but I don't see manufacturers being on the same strategy. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch now that we're not going to have that caution break of how are guys going to plan? I do see guys possibly planning to run it like a quote unquote stage break and pit after the stage, like next lap after the stage, kind of plan around that side, but we'll definitely have to see how that breaks down. Um, yeah, I think the race is going to get so spread out that there's more. It's going to be like an old, old how the road courses used to race. There's a good chance that you're not going to see a caution the entire time, which yeah. I think will kind of play out into some of those F1 guys racing. They're used to the long run, no cautions, a, a clean race to the finish. Yeah. So that'll be. I, uh... don't, I don't think any of them will win, but I do see them finishing maybe the top 10 top 15 yeah i would be and i know that's high expectations for these guys i mean kimmy's been in the car before uh Mm -hmm. jensen's been technically in a car but there's a couple other guys that are starting um that are from f1 and because i look at i look at uh what's his name jordan taylor yeah going to be driving the the nine car series Mm -hmm. you know chase elliott has is the quote-unquote road course king right now and the and the cup series even though he hadn't won one in a while but that's a that's a good car at yeah, the road course so car. what so what's he going to be able to do in that you know yeah so cuz he's also a garage 56 driver so what what results is he going to be able to get in there I'm curious to see that cuz yeah. that's one of the people that I expect I would expect if somebody's going to finish in the top 10 that it would be him to me yeah, um, I think him. I I honestly I'll put Kimmy in the top ten, uh, just because how he ran at Watkins Glen last year. Um, I think Button Jensen, Button would be at the. He might squeeze it, being that he's in a Rick Ware car. I know it's got Stuart Haas 
backing for this st- still a Rick Ware car. Yeah. I think maybe in the top 25 for him. I'm going to put him on the top 20. Uh, I, I could see him getting a top 20 um, just due to his experience and his skill level. So, I mean, yeah, we're talking about Rick Ware equipment, but we're also talking about an F1 champion too that has experience in this style car already and also has experience in sports car series, which this car races like a sports car. So I, I'd put him in top 20. I'd put Kimmy and Jordan Taylor probably top 10, top 15. Um, but let's, uh, generous. Let's, and that's generous. Yeah. <laughs> top 10 is generous. Top 15, top 15 is probably uh, reasonable. Um, but let's, uh, let's segue that into who do we see as our top finisher? Who is your pick for Coda? I am torn between AJ Allmendinger, the road course ringer and Tyler Reddick. Cause Tyler Reddick has kind of shrugged off his bad luck that he's had at the beginning of the year. And the past couple of weeks has strung out some good finishes. Yeah. And has won two road courses last year. Mm-hmm. He's in a new car. He's got something to prove. Kyle Bush has already won in his old car. And yeah. he's got to show that he's made a good decision going to from RCR to 2311. So with that being said, because colleague has it, I know you can't, Discount AJ Allmendinger at a road course. I'm gonna have to go with Tyler Reddick though. Tyler Reddick with a chip on his shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a really good pick. Um, like you said, coming to a new car, the guy that took his seat, or well, that he gave his seat to, has already won in his car, and he's had a bad start to the year. Starting to string together some finishes. It's time to prove yourself, and it's time to prove that you deserve that contract that you got with 2311. So. Um, I, I think Tyler Reddick's a good pick. I'm going to go with Kyle Larson though. Kyle Larson has not had, he, he's been at the fault of a lot of other outcomes later, lately. Um, <laughs> Eric Almarola, <laughs> Eric Almarola <laughs> at Atlanta, uh, a couple, a couple more than just Atlanta, um, has Eric not had Amarola at Phoenix. <laughs> Eric Almarola at Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. So the, the list goes on and on. He He's not lucked out, which, again, not saying that he's had a bad year so far. I mean, he's been second place back-to-back races um, with uh, Phoenix and um, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. But I think that after the start of this year, Daytona, um, again, super speedways, he just – gets a short end of the stick, it seems like, the last couple races. <laughs> the last couple super speedway races, it just has not gone his way. Well, and Every super speedway race. that <laughs> yeah. he, can, he knows how to be up front there, but he just... He, he gets somebody else's have, bad luck. <laughs> yeah, his, his rabbit foot that he carries in his car for good luck is cursed at the super speedways. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think, especially after NASCAR dropped the hammer, I think this is a race that he circled. I mean, he is a very good road course racer, um, as we've seen in the past. Uh, we saw mm-hmm. it last year too. Uh, so I could see him using this is his this is his springboard race of like this is a race we're pinpointing. This is a race that we're going to go out. We're going to win, and this is going to turn our season around. So I am going with Kyle Larson Sunday at Coda. Not a bad pick. So, and with that, 
Um, I think that is going to wrap us up, guys. So thank you for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Gas is on the Right podcast with Daniel and Alan. Be sure to follow us on all of our social medias on Twitter at gas underscore right, Instagram and TikTok at gas is on the right podcast. Be sure to tune in next week. And remember, the gas is on the right.